Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of our resurrected God of love. Amen. Amen. Today, we get to baptize Peter and Caroline, and their mother Sarah and I both enjoy a blog about parenting and faith by writer Glennon Doyle Melton. And in one of Glennon's most recent blog posts, she told a story about a young boy in church who had a question. Glennon and a couple of other women were leading children's chapel in the sanctuary of their church when a new kid came in. His name tag said that he was Ryan. Now, Ryan kept looking around the sanctuary as if he was searching for someone, and then he motioned for Glennon to come over, which she did, and she sat down next to him, and eventually he got around to asking her quietly, Excuse me. Is God coming? This was Glennon's response to Ryan. I don't have an answer. No one does, really. But here's my hunch. I think God's already here. I don't think we wait for God to come as much as we bring God to each other. I think God is inside me and inside you, Ryan. It's like... You know how cookies have sugar in them, and that's what makes them delicious? We have God in us. That's what makes us delicious. I like Glennon's answer a lot. And I think even grown-ups need to be reminded pretty regularly that God is inside each of us. That being inside of us is one of the many ways that God has chosen to be with creation. And I don't think we can read today's readings, I mean really read them, without hearing God's promise to love us and care for us and heal us and guide us by being very, very close to us. Today we heard Jesus say, I am the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, I used to have a really hard time with good shepherd imagery because I didn't want to be referred to 
as a sheep. Sheep, you may know, are not very smart. And Episcopalians sometimes snarkily refer to ourselves as Christians who bring their brains with them to church. But if we can swallow our pride for a minute and allow ourselves to be sheep, needy and vulnerable, and maybe even not nearly as smart as we think we are, then maybe we can begin to wrap our limited understanding around something very significant about God's presence with us and God's love for us. Jesus was saying that he would go to the ends of the earth to love, protect, and show up for us, his sheep. This divine loving presence is not the fluffy, sentimental kind, which is good, because I don't really like fluffy, sentimental love. I don't tend to trust it much because it doesn't tend to have much backbone. The Good Shepherd love speech was given by Jesus in the middle of a big fight with the religious authorities. It was rebellious love and tough love and very much risky love that Jesus was showing when he claimed to be the Good Shepherd that day. To see that, it's helpful to know the context. Before this speech, Jesus had come upon a blind man, and he had performed a miracle that enables the blind man to see. The authorities, rather than being in awe about the miracle, got very upset that Jesus had done such laborious work on the Sabbath. Not that us religious types ever lose our sense of perspective or anything. They interrogated the now not blind man and his parents, and then they cast the man out of the temple. Because if you can't understand it, it must be bad, right? Well, Jesus went out to find the cast out man, because that's what the good shepherd does. He goes out to find his sheep. Once found, the man told Jesus that he believed in him. In other words, he trusted in him. And thus, he entered into relationship with the one who had shown him such love. Then, Jesus entered into conversation with the authorities who had cast the man out. Because love sometimes means having difficult conversations. What we heard today was part of that conversation. A conversation meant to open stubbornly shut eyes. In typical Jesus fashion, he jabbed at the proud Pharisees, hinting that they had it all wrong. He was the good shepherd. They were the hired hands. He will lay down his life for the sheep while they run away in fear. He has healed someone while they have judged someone. And as I read this, I know that I, too, am far too often a Pharisee because I sometimes can't see the truth past the tip of my own nose. For example, right now I'm trying to communicate that I agree with Glennon's response to Ryan, that God is already here with us in so many ways as our good shepherd, as our healer, as our advocate, and very much inside each and every person. But when I sat down in the library to write this sermon, I spent the first hour of my time there moving around the library, trying to avoid people who did not strike me as particularly full of God. (laughs) 
I grumbled about a woman who sat down next to me just after I had unpacked and spread out on a table because she smelled like stale tobacco and alcohol, and I couldn't think in that cloud. So I got up and settled in a new spot where a man nearby was eating his lunch more loudly than I have ever heard another human being consume food. And then another man came and stretched out on the chairs next to my workstation to take a nap with his bare feet about this close to my face. And he began to snore loudly. And as he was snoring, finally I realized, because God was poking me again and again, finally I realized that I was preparing to stand up here and tell you that one of the many ways that God loves us is by residing inside of each person. Or in the words of First John that we heard today, by abiding in us. Yet I myself was having an impossible time at the library believing that message. Which makes it all the more important for me to hear. Jesus didn't waste time with easy lessons. He taught hard ones. Hard lessons that were important, that most likely need to be relearned again and again by all of us. This thing about God abiding in people isn't a new thought to me, and I bet it isn't a new thought to you. But it's one of those things that we need to hear over and over again. And because of that, we need God. Not out there on some distant cloud, but right inside each of us. So that we never have to look far for the lessons and the love that God offers. I need to be reminded daily that the God of love is standing in front of me, in this place, and out in the world, challenging me to open my eyes and telling me over and over again that he loves us enough to lay down his life for us, that she loves us enough to fill us with her Holy Spirit, that he will keep creating us anew every day, that God will abide in us, And invites us to abide in her. And that unconditional divine love is closer than we usually think. I love that Ryan asked Glennon if God was coming to church that day. And I don't think questions like that are limited to the wonder of childhood. What if we all walked in here each Sunday and asked the ushers. You don't mind this ushers, do you? If we asked the ushers, excuse me. Do you know if God is coming to church today? And what if the ushers smiled and looked you straight in the eye and said, as a matter of fact, God just walked in. Welcome. God is here inside us to shepherd us and lay down his life for us, to teach us and to hold us, and above all, to love us, which, for obvious reasons, works best in community where God can listen to us through another person's ears and pray for us through another person's words and hold us in another person's arms and see us through the eyes of a friend. Now, if this is the kind of divine vessel that our community is called to be, then perhaps it would be good for us to keep inviting more people to come in so that God's ability to be with us through one another can grow. 
which is one of the many reasons that I am delighted that we get to baptize Peter and Caroline this morning. Because Peter and Caroline have brought a bit of God along with them. And their parents have trusted us and God enough to bring their children here and share the God in them with us. In a moment, we will ask God to welcome these children through the holy waters of creation and the blessed oils of the Holy Spirit and the warm light of Jesus Christ. In these rituals, we are saying to Peter and Caroline that they belong here, that we see God in them, and that to us, they are part of God and part of God's family. Let us pray. Loving God, be with us, your family, as we look for you in each other, as we infuse our lives with you through baptism and through the breaking of bread, through prayer and relationship and acts of love. Be with Peter and Caroline as we celebrate their baptisms this day, and be with their parents and godparents as they open themselves ever further to be vehicles of your love, protection, and guidance in the lives of these two children. All this we ask in the name of our beloved and good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.